Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome into episode three of Rip and Rock. Call it the Allen Iverson episode, the answer, or here in Baltimore, we can call it the Jorge Mateo episode. Episode three, though, we got a lot to talk about, Rip. From the O's sweeping the Blue Jays, Dean Kramer with another solid start. Grayson Rodriguez, the ups and downs to his young career. Cheating or using your teammates to your advantage, you be the judge. Pun very much intended with that one. Recapping the series with Otani and the Angels. Rip's tips, what do we got this week? Well, I guess you'll just have to wait to find out, Rock. How about that? Okay, all right. We're getting nothing from this guy. It takes a village, though. That's what he's going to talk about. little preview there. Jackson Holiday's hot start in high A with Aberdeen. One year of Adley Rutschman. Happy anniversary to Adley Rutschman. It's a big day for him. And we're previewing the upcoming series with the Yankees and the Texas Rangers. Both very good teams in the MLB. But let's start with the big topic. The O's sweeping the Blue Jays, one of the best teams in baseball, the third best team in the AL East, and that is a big series win over a team that doesn't drop a lot of series, especially this season. Well, we talked about it, that this Blue Jays team, you know, we came on Fox 45, and I even thought that the Blue Jays, roster-wise, was the best team in the American League East. And not only did the the O's go up there and win the series – they, they were not saying it was dominant, but it was a performance that really is the staple series win for the Orioles this year. I mean, they've had a lot of great wins, Rock. But think about that. You go on the road, division rival, you just gutted out a couple really tough games, and you're walking out there not with two wins, but you're walking out there with three and the second best record in all of baseball. Yeah. I mean, and the Orioles got 15 wins on the road. And let me correct myself, the Blue Jays were the third best team in the American League East until the Orioles got done with them, and now they are sitting at the bottom on a four-game losing streak, and you can thank the Birds for that one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, today, Cedric Mullins in the series finale, five hits. Dean Kramer, tremendous start that we can dive into more. I mean, I think that people really need to understand that what Dean Kramer, when he is on and he's feeling good, he can provide so much for this Orioles team. And again, I mean, this team's just finding different ways to win. It, it, whether it's a low-scoring game coming back like they did in game two to steal one in Toronto, or this one just gutting it out until the end, but you always feel good when you walk out of Toronto with another, another victory, and in this case, another series win. Rip, and you're getting guys that are stepping up, different guys each night. Last night, the game goes into extra innings. A lot of people on social media, they're, they're saying this is the best win of the season. Brandon Hyde, I think he called it a top five win for this ball club this season, and I don't think he's wrong there. How about Ryan O'Hearn, man, coming up with a three-run home run to tie the game career high. He tied his career high with four RBIs. Then today, 
You get Taryn Vavra stepping up. So it's different guys, it seems like, each night for this ball club, each day, each game, each series, and that's what this ball club needs come those later months, September, October, when they're trying to make a playoff run, especially a deep one. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. Guys are going to be called upon. You need to answer the bell. And how about Ryan O'Hearn? I know when everyone saw him picked up in the offseason, is this guy really going to make an impact because the Orioles hadn't made a lot of signings? And again, we all can be a, uh, what's the term, armchair GM, is that the right term? Or whatever it is. Yeah, armchair quarterback, GM, armchair yeah. Whatever, whatever <laughs> it like is. Like we that. always can, can question why guys are picked up. And Ryan O'Hearn, by the way, earned his right. He he balled out in spring training and then still didn't get to make the team and had to wait his turn, gets called up, and all he's done when he's in the lineup is produce. And in that case, he produced it at the biggest time. And if you look at all the teams around the league, the ones that are successful, it's teams that have guys do something to help their teams win that you probably have never heard of. And it's not these all-stars. I mean, look, we know what the Blue Jays have on offense. I mean, you have George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr. But guess what? Those are three of their players. And honestly, if you look at how this series went, the Orioles' quote-unquote role players were the biggest difference in that series because the three hitters I just mentioned for the Blue Jays, yes, Springer's not having his best year, but Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and sorry, Springer just for average-wise. I mean, Springer is a great player. His pedigree speaks for itself. But Bichette, Vlad Jr., hitting over 300, those are the big dogs in that lineup. But they had a lot of trouble producing outside of those of those guys. And the Orioles are finding ways one through nine. And that's what makes this team so dangerous, Rock. Yeah, you talked about the batting lineup. I want to talk about starting pitching. Because starting pitching, Kyle Gibson goes seven strong innings, gets the win in game one. Grayson Rodriguez, he goes five innings, a couple earned runs, but it's definitely better than that start against the Angels, which was he's coming off of his worst start of the season, of his young career. And then you get Dean Kramer, Dean the Machine, back at it again. Uh, one earned today, correct me if I'm wrong. And that he goes correct. out there, and the O's end up getting the win. I think Bauman was the one credited for the win. He's now 3-0 and on the year. So that's, that's big, but you need your starters to be able to not necessarily go seven innings every game like Kyle Gibson. This team will definitely need that in the later months uh, of the season, kind of like last year we saw. But right now, they're teetering around right where they should be in the bullpen. They're going in and doing the rest and trying to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, and for Dean Kramer, just to give people some context, and I don't love to dive into so much numbers, but I know certain people do, and I'll get into Grayson. So, for Dean, in his last four starts, since the, the Orioles went to Atlanta, six innings, one earned run. Then Tampa comes to Baltimore, another six innings, no runs. The Angels, five and two-thirds, three earned runs today against the Blue Jays. Five and a third, one and run. Yes, nine hits, but seven punchies. So my point. Punchies. Is that what yeah, you call them? Oh, well, yeah. punchies? You never, you never heard of punchies for strikeouts? I've heard of punchies, but not like I call like touchdown tutties, and I always get kind of people mess with me for that one. I really haven't heard punchies. Oh, well, punch you're learning today. I've heard K's, yeah. You're learning today. I guess I'm with a baseball guy, so. Baseball, right. yeah. where to get your better, baseball better lingo learn. and terminology? Yeah. I guess slang. We're to be down. talking like kind of like a hockey bro when they have their own lingo, their own slang. Like you got to yeah. teach me the ins and outs and, and how you guys talk in in the clubhouse. Well, I don't know if I can wise. say everything that we say in the clubhouse because can, that might be a certain we line have for this. While, while we have the opportunity, this gets edited afterwards. You know that, so we can hit the the bleep out button, the curse button, kind of uh, like you do with announcers, the cough button. People like to call it. So mm. whatever you need to do, I mean, we could do it. 
Yeah, I'll keep you posted on that. And it, Drop it as many happen. F-bombs yeah. as you want, right, man? Well, yeah. Well, maybe that's not the slang that I'm talking about. <laughs> We're just kidding, people. It's a PG podcast. We are We are just having fun. People people telling stories. But what I'm telling right now, what I'm trying to get the point across, Sorry. is that Dean Kramer has shown you what he's capable of doing. And again, people are going up and down as far as what they thought of this starting rotation to start the year. Is this team gonna is gonna be a weakness? And actually, I told people from the beginning, maybe I'm nuts, Rock, and and that is a separate subject. But I thought that this <laughs> pitching staff could actually be a strength for the starters because of the stuff. Yeah. They have guys that have plus stuff and are capable, but can they put it all together at the same time? Grayson Rodriguez, you just mentioned him. J or uh, G Rod, J Rod, G Rod, G Rod, G Rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get J's and G's mixed up all so the time. So do I. Yeah, it's, terrible. It's a thing. It's a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, but he's showing moments of why he can be so brilliant and he's doing it against very good teams yes i am aware against the angels not his best outing but you bounce back against a very good lineup a very good team in division and you give the orioles something that not just that they needed but you you're able to keep the team in the game and that's going to be a theme how many times can your starting pitchers keep you in the game and the Orioles starters are doing a great job of that as of late and I want to piggyback off that I don't think we've seen this starting rotation go through each pitcher has their best outing there's always one outlier in there that has an off day or an off night or an off start I'm telling you what man if the Orioles get each and every one of their starting pitchers, I know it's rare in baseball. It's not going to happen all the time. You're going to have a guy that's got an off day or an off night or the lineup just figures you out op, you know, opposition-wise and, and they're just hitting the crap out of you. But if we get to see the O's, this starting rotation, each pitcher starting-wise have their best outing, it's going to be scary you know, as the season goes on. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the goal. But this is also why you have to see what you have in-house. And I know everyone was, was clamoring, we have all this talent, let's make a move, let's make a trade. You, you owe it to yourself going through this rebuild to see who can help you on this team right now. And the Orioles have tremendous talent, especially pitching depth that the Orioles are not used to seeing and guys that have come up through the minor leagues, and it's there. But you got to give them time. It can't just be one year or part of a year last year where you can come to a conclusion, right? And so for this case you're starting to see those moments of these young players. And there's Grayson Rodriguez, which he's in his learning process, and he's trying to be that homegrown talent to be that ace that everyone's hoping. And, yes, he's got to learn to be more consistent. Maybe he's got to learn that he's got to not tip his pitches, which has been something that people have been curious about with Grayson, and that's something you got to adjust to at the big league level. But it's not stuff for these guys. They have the stuff, but now it's really kind of reaping the benefits because the Orioles – and we, we're not going to get into the whole buyers and sellers and all this thing for this episode. <laughs> not yet. But Too early right now. But the Orioles are finding out a lot about these guys, which is only going to make these decisions moving forward easier for this team to identify. Yeah, we, we touched on Grayson. He's 2-1, and one, 6.21 ERA, 50 strikeouts on the year. Last outing against the Blue Jays, a 6-5 win. He did not get credited for the win, but he did go five innings, four hits allowed, two earned runs, six strikeouts, gave up a homer. But that's okay because the outing before that was by far his worst outing of the year. And I was getting people, I, I was seeing people on Twitter, I think a few people responded to one of the tweets I put out. They're like, send him down. And I don't like that right now. I don't like playing with the guy's mentals this early on in his career. He's 23 years old. Let him ride it out. Let him get consistent. The O's aren't on a losing streak by any means. I don't think Grayson Rodriguez 
is hurting this team right now. Yet, the start against the Angels was terrible. And, I'll, you know, I'll be the first one to say that. I'm not knocking Grayson, but it was, it was bad. Three and a third was his shorty, shortest outing of the year. Nine hits allowed. Eight earned runs. Two homers. One of them a monster shot. An absolute missile to Shohei Otani. Three walks. Three strikeouts. And uh, he, he only threw... What is it here? If I can find it. I don't know how many pitches he threw. I'll find that in a second. 79 pitches, yeah. But it was his shortest outing of the year. And it, it just wasn't a good one. But he did rebound against the Blue Jays. And that's where the confidence meter is going to go back up. And once this guy gets confident, you talked about it in last week's episode, he lives for the big moments. He might have crumbled a little bit against the Angels in that big moment, but that's okay. The season is still young. Oh, yeah. And then just to, to drive this point home, this is why numbers are deceiving. So stop. For everyone that's looking at his, his – of course, his numbers are going to be inflated. Yeah, is he, he already got is bad right now, but it's okay. absolutely rocked by the Angels. Yeah. And that's okay. He's had six starts, Rock. He's had six starts of going five or more innings and two or less runs. So if we think about that right there, and for me, I know that they're saying if you can get six innings, two or three earned runs or less, that's a quality start, however that's viewed. For me, you get five and under two, and I know that there's some talk about him being on a pitch uh, innings it, limit it this year. It looks that way because he hasn't gone into the sixth. I mean, he hasn't gone more than six innings or six or more innings a season by far at all. Right, but so the point is, though, six of those outings – you're holding a team under two runs or less. Yeah. So you're seeing what he's capable of doing, and he has really a couple games in there. There's two that are inflated. The Royals and the Angels are the ones in particular where the numbers are higher. But that's okay. There would be cause for concern for me if he came up here and he just couldn't find it consistently outing after outing. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. He's just showing you he's young, and he's showing you what his brilliant moments can be but he's also showing you he's not at being that ace level yet, and he's 23. I mean, I can't tell you how many things I didn't have together at 23. <laughs> he's trying to figure out himself as a person, and now he's trying to be uh, uh, an, uh, appointed being the Orioles' ace of the future. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is a lot of pressure at 23 years old. I can't even imagine that type of pressure and trying to carry that weight on my shoulders going forward. We, we kind of talked about the, the pitch count and the short leash a bit. Five and two-thirds was the most he's gone this season, and that was against Tampa Bay, and he was cruising in that game. Two earned runs, but he had nine or uh, four, four strikeouts here against the best team in baseball, and he got his second win of the season. Against Detroit, that was his best outing. He had five innings pitched, two hits, no runs allowed, one walk, nine strikeouts, 91 pitches. The most pitches he's thrown this season in a game was against the Rays. It was 101, so I don't think right now he needs to go more than five or six innings. I think let him ease in. Let him figure his self, him, himself out. Sorry, my dad says his self a lot. It's not proper English, and my mom always gets on him for that. So just making sure I'm saying my words right as well. I oh, I, I mess up. I also, when I try to say, describe people, yeah. and I'm going to say he, I sometimes say I, which sounds really selfish of me. Yeah. So on a different level, I struggle with my own grammar. Do you introduce yourself when you walk in the room? Are you like Ryan Ripkins here? Oh, no. No, okay. I shouldn't have opened up that can of worms <laughs> because that is You just, know I'm going to run with it. No, yeah. I, that's That was a terrible example. Ah. My point was I was trying to make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> that's, and listen, that's we're too I, far gone, my man. And that's, that's And that's where I messed up. That's okay so but, but anyway Grayson which is so great 
It's just understanding you're going to have to constantly adapt. And everyone in Major League Baseball, they're going to pick up on what you're doing. And again, like even to the tipping of the pitches, whether he's doing it or not, everybody's watching to see if they can get an advantage. I think I saw Ben Verlander put something out or he quoted something on Twitter where Grayson's first couple of starts, he holds his glove very high in front of his face. And I think it was last start, he brought his glove down a little bit. It was like below his shoulders or or a little bit lower than he usually puts it. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's a comfort thing? Do you think that he maybe thinks he is tipping pitches? Why do you, why would you do that as a pitcher? What what's you know what's the deal there? Well, sometimes it is a comfortability, and and when you get in a rhythm and you're going through the motions, how many times do we go through every day in life, whether it's your your profession, work, at home, you're doing the same things, and it just becomes you know habit. And so for Grayson, sometimes when you're feeling good and you're in the moment, you're not thinking about trying to change anything. It's what a lot of pitchers do. They go to what's comfortable. But then sometimes what they do is comfortable. They don't realize that there's a difference between their pitches. So sometimes when you're going to throw a curveball, you might be keeping your glove higher than when you throw a fastball. I actually did a video on Twitter about that. So it, it it's something that just happens without you knowing. And sometimes, how many times when you sit there and go, I'm not doing that. I can't tell you how many times when someone said, hey, Ryan, your shoulder's pulling off the ball hidden. I'm like, no, 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 I'm keeping it on. I swear, I promise you. And I go and look at it. And it's not even like I go, oh, wow, I see what you mean. So it's, it's, it's sometimes you don't even recognize it, so then you have to make a more conscious effort. And it's not that much of a difference, but it's a difference enough where other people or other teams can pick up on it. So as a hitter, if you see that, what are you looking for? Because it's, it's a bit of gamesmanship, but you're, you're looking for how the ball is coming out of his hand, how the glove looks. What, what are you specifically looking for as a hitter if you're facing Grayson Rodriguez? Uh, maybe he is tipping that pitch. So... You know, personally, again, if it is, if he has different glove heights of where he comes set or where he feels comfortable, that's number one. And another uh, notion of tipping pitches is release points. And the best in the business can throw it from the same spot, comes out of the same angle. So you really can't get any advantage. But there are some pitchers that will have a slightly different release point depending on if it's a breaking ball and a fastball. And again, it might not be the most subtle thing to, to the to the fans watching, but when you're in there and all of a sudden you can see something or even on a curveball something pops up, it's it, it, it brings up something new in your mind as a hitter. And you sit there and go, that's different than hitters talk. And then you sit there in the dugout and go, hey, I think we have something here. Watch them. Ooh. And you sit there in the dugout and you're watching going, let's see if this is true. And it keeps going, it keeps going. Sometimes you're wrong and you go, never mind, that's not it. Or other times you sit there and you go, it's right. Now, in the big leagues, you have people in analytics department that are really even watching more of those those tendencies. And that even becomes more of important to be like, hey, we think we're picking up some habits that we can try to pick up in the game. And tipping pitches, by the way, has been going on as long as the game's been, been played because it's just, it's just a part of the game. It's a part of people's mechanics. But again, it's something that not everyone is going to think about, but it can make a huge difference. Perhaps... If your teammates are picking up on those pitches and you're at the plate, do you look over to them in the dugout as you're batting, maybe before the pitcher releases the ball, like someone we saw uh, in baseball this past week? You know what we're talking about. That's a great transition to the whole Aaron Judge thing. That's (laughs) actually where the video I did on Twitter started from. Yeah. Right? I mean – Look, that, boy, did that turn into a fiasco. I think everyone's sensitive of trying to figure out 
what's cheating, what's not cheating when it comes to quote unquote picking signs or in this case, you know, tipped pitches. What's your take on it? Because when I played junior legion ball, I wasn't big time like you. I can't call myself a professional baseball player, unfortunately. But I remember our coach at the time, he told us, hey, if you're on second and the catcher throws down a one, I want you to point back towards the bag, point back towards second, and that'll signal fastball to the hitter. If the catcher throws down a two and if you can see it, point towards third. And if you point towards third, that'll signal off speed, weight back. Obviously, if you're a batter, you're looking past the pitcher and you could see me doing that back and forth. And it just looked like we were taking a lead off the bag. It was nobody really picked up on it. But those are the little things. I don't think that's cheating. I think that is studying the game and kind of checking to see what the catcher's doing. Sometimes catchers, they'll paint their nails so the pitchers can see them a bit better. In this case, they didn't. We just had to kind of look and see, okay, two's down, off speed, point to third. One down, fastball, point to first. In the minor league level, did you guys do that at all? And what is the craziest way, not only that you guys picked up on a pitch or picked up on a signal, but that you signaled it to the batter that was at the plate? Because it happens in baseball all the time, more than we think. Not at the Astros level where they're cheating, where they're using camera footage and banging on trash cans to get that point across. Like We weren't doing all that, but... We were using seeing their signs to our advantage big time. I'm sure you guys did the same. It's the definition of of gamesmanship or what's been a part of the game. So to your point, the Astros, when you added technology into this whole situation, that's when you realize that that's where ethically it's wrong because you're not using your own eyes. You're not using players or people that are involved in the specific game or on the playing field, coaches, players, etc., so when the Astros did that, it's because they were able to look in through a camera, and that's where things got magnified, right? So whether you like this aspect of baseball now with, with players stealing signs, I mean, before they do the pitch comms now, because that's why they're partially doing it, it was, yes, the cheating for the, the Astros, but it was because there was this whole concept between being able to pick or be able to steal signs on second base was one case. And that's why there were so many sequences when you were on second base in, in pro ball, where it would be the, the pitcher and the catcher would say, hey, it's going to be uh, after the number two, it's the second sign after the number two. Like They would create way different sequences to try to keep those signs private, secret, right? But then the other team, if you're on second base, they're trying to figure out how to decode that. Or if it's – and then the tipping pitches, that's just the pitchers really giving you a sign that, hey, you're doing something way different than what we notice. Again, whether you like these concepts of the game or not, it, that has been a part of the game, and it's not been deemed unethical. It just depends on if you like it. Now, I didn't like knowing when certain calls came just because I always I had a bad experience once where someone said they had a, a sign picked, and I was so wrong, and I almost got drilled in the face. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> oh, man. My focus, I can't focus on that. I need to stay in my bat, right? Now, you asked about what was one of the most interesting tells. We had a guy I played with in the minors that was able to – he, his way of doing it, because he didn't want to show that he had his arms or put his, his arm down or hand left or right, if he had the sign, he would stand with two feet on second base. So he'd go back to the bag after the lead or after the pitch, and he'd stand with two feet on second base. And it's subtle. And it's and subtle. And it's subtle for the other team. They, they can't even tell. You would think all the time after every pitch, the, the, the 
opposing player goes back to the bag. But the thing was, it was just one time he went to the bag that he went up with two feet. It's just at one point that just let us know that he had it. And then depending on, in some cases, how he took his lead, if he walked out on his lead, that meant it was a, a, you know, a certain breaking ball. If he shuffled out, it meant it was a fastball. So either way you're thinking, well, that's what someone could do every time. So that to me was pretty fascinating. Again, I didn't feel comfortable enough yeah. uh, to do that. I also was terrible at picking signs, <laughs> you know, awful, because also I'm like, man, I'm not that fast out there. I'm trying to just get the best lead and jump I can and not mm. try to get picked off. Uh, but there's certain guys that are masterminds, but there are people's jobs, it seems like, in the dugouts that are specifically looking for advantages for it's, their team. It's honestly genius, man, to be able to pick up on that and to know that you have that sign. And then to tell your teammate and relay it and be that confident, okay, a fastball's coming, okay, a breaking ball's coming, you got the sweeper coming. That's some cool stuff. Whether you like it or not, it takes a smart person to try to figure that sign out, get it down, and then relay it to your teammate and be correct all at the same time. And if you don't know the video we're talking about, we should have probably been more specific. Aaron Judge, he tanked a homer to center in, at Rogers Center oh, after this. Way back. He glanced over to the dugout beforehand and the Blue Jays caught him in 4k slow motion his eyes going to the dugout right before the pitch probably someone tipped him about a pitch but who knows he claims that he was looking at his teammates because he heard like a commotion because Boone I believe had just got ejected Aaron Boone their manager before that and they were going back and forth at the ump I don't believe that for a second if someone's talking in the background I don't know how many times like You've looked over when you're up at bat, but you're focused on the pitcher. You're focused on the ball coming out of his hands. You're focused on trying trying to get a base hit or a homer. Oh yeah, but I also will say this: the third that, that the Blue Jays took a uh, offense to where the uh, first and third base coaches were lining up for the Yankees, and so the other part of it before the pitch com, if if, if catchers would put signs down, but they leave their legs too wide open, the coaches could see it down the line. And then the coaches would say something. I can't tell you how much even in Little League. I remember had coaches that would do that and say, hey, if I yell out your name, I, I can see the pitches. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, I feel like we're 10 years old. I don't really, you know, I, I care about winning. You're but sitting down I, in the outfield playing with the grass. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, but, but so the point is everyone's looking at that and people get mad. It's a part of the game. But I will say this. Back, and this is back in the last, you know, 20 years, if there's a difference of players being able to pick up tip pitches and being able to decode or, or look to steal signs because it's it's also look, viewed differently. Some teams, if you, they're tipping pitches, their own their own teammates would say, hey, dude, you're tipping your pitches. Like, that's your fault. Yep. If guys are stealing signs and it's being pretty obvious that they're trying to go out of their way or try to really figure it out, that's where guys are like, you know what, I'm going to drill you. I'm not, We're going to police it ourselves, but the game's changed now, it's right? It's kind of the risk you take if you do that. Right, but the game's changed now where there's more rules in place for suspensions. Back then, it was just a known thing. If you get caught trying to steal a sign, the other team's going to let you know, and usually how they let you know. And again, I'm not agreeing that you should go and drill a guy, but Caleb Joseph, who former Orioles, is actually the Blue Jays broadcaster right now, was caught, I guess, on pregame talking about how things used to be handled, and he took heat from it. Of It was almost accusing that if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm going to send a message to him. He goes, well... I understand where he's thinking. It doesn't sound good on air, but that's how the game was 20 years ago. Yeah. That's how the game was being played is that people took it into their own hands as, hey, you want to play this game? You want to play with fire? 
You're going to get burned with a 99-mile-per-hour fastball to the ribs or the back. Right. Or throw some chin music at you. That's how they used to do it. Take care of business. Exactly. So, anyway, but Aaron Judge, regardless of it, I don't think it's cheating at all. I don't think so either. And Aaron Judge is a superstar talent. He just owns the Blue Jays in any way. They and then, can he, try then to, he hit a few more without without the pitches. If there's any way that they, they could try to slow down Aaron <laughs> yeah. Judge because that dude is a stud. Exactly. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Real quick, let's take a look at the AL East, the current standings right now. We, we're recording this podcast on a Sunday at about 5.30, so these are subject to change. The Tampa Bay Rays, 34-14. and 14. They are currently on a one-game losing streak. Two and a half games behind them, closing the gap. The Baltimore Orioles, 31-16 and 16 on a three-game winning streak. Then you have the New York Yankees. They've gotten hot, 29-20, and 20, five and a half games back. Four-game winning streak for the Yanks. The Red Sox, 26-20, seven games back on a four-game winning streak as well. And then the Blue Jays, who entered this series against the Orioles as the third-best team in the AL East, now are at the basement, the bottom of the AL East, 25-22 and 22, on a four-game losing streak, and you can thank the O's for that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They're still 25-22, and 22 and they're exactly. in the cellar in this division. I mean, it, that, that's why it's even that much more important that the Orioles are able to do what they just accomplished because this division's so hard. And again, the less games against your opponent. And this is why being being swept or not swept is so important because the Blue Jays, this has happened to them twice they just now, flipped, Rock. man, yeah. But the, the, the Blue Jays got swept by the Red Sox, too, so think yep. about it. They're 25-22, and 22 and they've been swept in two series by the Baltimore the Red Sox, Orioles. The Red Sox, I think, was a four-game series, yeah. too, yeah. That's a seven-game seven seven games. Game swing. Exactly, and we call it the AL Beast for a reason. Looking at the MLB standings division by division, the AL East is the only division in Major League Baseball where every single team has a winning record right now. That's incredible stuff. That's uh, you, you telling me that's pretty good, Rock? Uh, I'm telling you that's more than pretty good. That's... I don't know the word for it. My vocab, although I'm a journalism major, isn't that big. I like to keep it plain and simple, but it's pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Let's recap this series with the Angels. The one that was very highly anticipated because of one guy, and that's Shohei Otani. The Orioles, they were hot coming into this one. We want to talk about the Orioles and how good they are, but this guy, wherever he goes, fans follow. 
The eyes are always on him, and he put on a show at Camden Yards. And the Angels and Orioles, they split the series. Yeah, you know what's even crazy is, and Otani is that international iconic superstar. That's that's the the pay-to-go-see ticket. We're also forgetting Mike Trout is also on the Angels. Yes. One of the other superstars in baseball. Three-time MVP. I mean, that's but that's the crazy, that's the Otani effect. I know. And, and it was really cool to see Trout, but like, my eyes would always shift over to Otani because it's like, he is this unicorn generational talent. Just unbelievable. Okay, so you you, you got to see it in person yeah. with him there. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you got to see him. Dude, I got to see him pitch. I got to see him hit. I was like, my goodness. This guy is just as advertised. Not that I didn't believe it, but getting to see someone in person for the first time, it's a different aura. It's a different feeling. It's a different vibe. And when he tanked that homer oh. off Grayson, that three-run bomb, 460-plus, I believe it was, would have hit Utah Street in the air if not for the fence that separates the right field bleachers from Utah Street. I actually went out there because I was like, I want to see where this ball hit. I didn't know if it hit a pillar. I didn't know if it left a white mark on the fence with like the laces. It broke a zip tie, the usher told me, that holds that netting right there, right below Boog's, Boog's Barbecue, right below Boog's. It was, it was like right there. And I took a picture of it. It's on my Twitter if you guys want to check it out where it actually hit, how far away it was, and it bounced back into the crowd. And the thing that killed me, killed me, Rip, the person who caught that ball threw it back onto the field. I get it. The Orioles are playing the Angels. You're not an Angels fan. People are probably egging you on to throw it back. You just caught a home run ball. Not caught it, but have a home run ball in your hands from a once-in-a-lifetime player who could very well win the MVP this year when it's all said and done because he's just that good, or the Cy Young. Like, he's just unbelievable. And you throw the ball back, why, for what? Loyalty. You throw I, it back. <laughs> I respect it, but I don't, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the only reason you're throwing that back is because <laughs> that's the only thing you can tell yourself is I'm so loyal to my team, I don't care who it is. Dude. But guess what? If, that, if that's me, I am putting that sucker in my pocket. I'm, I'm locking that down. Because just to your point, it's – I, and I don't get really, you know, growing up being around the, the game, I don't get too giddy on, you know, just on players in general now just because of being around it. I, again, they're just they're just people, right? And a lot of these guys are my teammates. Yeah. Having said that, a player of doing something that we might not see again, and he's and he brings that type of excitement again top entertainer in the business and anything like taylor swift's touring around right now a lot of people whether you're a t-swift fan if you got tickets to go see it you're probably good to go or if you did go to see it a lot a lot of people said i left there going i wasn't happy and if something of taylor swift that she was able to throw out to give to you if you're a fan you're probably keeping that if you're a baseball fan There's no doubt and, and people even, that like taylor swift yeah i like her music but oh i I'm love not it. a swifty oh uh, no but I, I still love it there is, there's a lot of bops i mean actually a i got a um, I love love some female pop. We can get into that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the the thing is, Otani. It's a moment where it's something you feel like with what he's doing. Something you tell your kids about. Something you tell your grandkids about. Because look at the last time we mentioned Babe Ruth. <laughs> I mean, that's dude. You went over it. You're like, this is something he. What he did. It was reaching base safely five times for a starting pitcher. It was 
He went. He, tell me, tell me, someone's gonna throw seven innings. Yeah, he gave up five runs. I'm gonna give you seven innings, but I'm also gonna be right on the cusp of hitting for the cycle and reaching base five times. Dude, it was. Uh, excuse me, sir. Are you yeah, kidding me? That was just insane. And the stat I have it right here. Well, first of all, Otani. He was. Was it a, a single or a double shy of the cycle that night? I think it was a double he needed for the cycle because he got the triple, he got the homer, he got the single, and he became the first player to start a pitcher and reach base safely five times since Mel Stoudemire did so for the Yankees on September 26, 1964 against the Washington Senators. That's from the, the Orioles PR staff. I didn't. I was about to yeah, say, I'm not the, no I'm not way the baseball, you found No, that. I'm not the baseball almanac, but they said it in the press room, and I tweeted it out, and it was so funny. My buddy, my buddy quoted it, and he said, what did he say? Tungsten Armo Doyle type tweet. Because it's like, he says that because every time Shohei Otani does something or breaks a record, it's like we're going 70 years back to find the last person who did it. Yeah. And it's like, it's some crazy name that we've never heard of oh, that, yeah. that he's breaking the record. Mel, Mel Stoudemire. I've heard of Mel Stoudemire. Yeah. And yeah, but, he, but he's, a, he's a big, but like I'm saying, like going back even further than that and seeing who they played against, it's like the person whose record he broke. Oh, yeah. It's like, I've never heard of this person before. Oh, for, for sure. But I mean, again, he's so great for the game, but to the context of, of we'll, we'll bring it back into the Orioles in this last homestand. I mean, look, Four-game series, you split it. And for me, if, if you're an Oriole fan, this last homestand was still tremendous because now you're facing, you're facing some really tough teams, and we talked about this. you got to beat the teams that you know you need to. Other teams that are solid above 500 teams, can you play 500 ball with them, or can you win the series? And the Orioles accomplished that. And also, I mean, again, Otani, just, it was so great to see him come to Baltimore to play the team. And I heard he liked the city of Baltimore, but everyone don't get his, their hopes up that he's going to come to Baltimore in the future because I don't think we're going to be able to afford him. Um, but, but the point is the Orioles are doing a lot of great things. And the Orioles are also, if you're fans and you're going out to the yard, you're getting to see some tremendous players. And it's just a great combo. You can admire tremendous talent and watch the Orioles be one of the best products in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and they played that series well. They, they could have... One Possibly three, they could have won the series, but I think Orioles fans right now, they're so used to this ball club playing down in recent years, playing down to the level of their opponent, and now that's not the case this season. And it's like, okay, what about this team coming up? What about this team coming up? And it seems like all that outside noise, the O's are just blocking out and proving all the doubters wrong. Like, there are many people out there that do not think this team is for real right now, I'm telling you what, man. They they really seem like they are for real. You can't you can't fake 31 and 16. You can't fake coming back on the road late and and winning games. You can't fake continuing to battle and beat good teams. You just you can't do that. Yeah, you could say, well, oh, schedule and streak. That's what I think I hate with the with the Rays. When people were saying, oh, they played an easy schedule. Do you? Does anyone understand how hard it is to win that many games to start the season? And yes, now the Orioles are right on their heels. But the point being is you earn – your record is what, – what, what, what is it? Uh, they are who we thought they were those, uh, <laughs> with the Cardinals. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the coach's name. But the Orioles, the record reflects them. They, it reflects how hard they're playing, how much that they have put into each game, and they have deserved to win the games that they've won. And when they've lost it, 
They've also deserved that too, but it's even greater through 47 games now. They are proving that they are up for the challenge, and that is all that you wanted to see from this ball club if you were to tell me this before we head into Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, man, and down on the farm, we're talking. They have some unbelievable talent coming up through the ranks. The biggest, the number three prospect in all of baseball and the top prospect in the Orioles on that MLB pipeline, those rankings after Grayson Rodriguez graduated because you get to a certain point, certain pitch count, so many innings, you do graduate from those rankings, the prospect rankings. That's not Jackson Holiday, the former number one overall pick, and he is just crushing it, pun very much intended, in Aberdeen right now. Oh, absolutely. And you know, before I jump into Jackson Holiday, because we've just been talking about this so much, I just want to get my rips tip out of the way because you called it, you talked about it. You talked about it, and you mind you want me to hold I skipped off. over it, man. I'm looking at the list of things we need to talk about well, right well, here, now. Here's the How quick dare thing. I? Short and sweet, rips tip. It takes a village. Takes a village, and I'll take it away. Everything we just talked about with these, this team, you need everyone to step up. Not everyone's going to be on their A game. Earlier in the season, Kyle Gibson, Tyler Wells were the two guys. Wells has kept it going, and then Dean Kramers now has picked up the team. Yunir Cano joins the team, and he's been incredible. Ryan O'Hearn, guys are going to be called upon, people that you don't expect. That's how you become a great team. That is how you develop a great reputation as an organization, and that is why the Baltimore Orioles are 31-16. So now back into Jackson Holiday. I'm sorry. I skipped over Rip's tips. It won't happen again. Yeah. It was an accident. Let's not make it happen twice. Yeah, you're, you're giving me a real serious look right now, and I'm starting to get scared. You should be. Yeah. Well, uh, The door's, like, past you, so, like, I'd have to jump over the table, maybe show off the 40-yard dash speed. I'm not mad. I'm just Just disappointed, disappointed yeah. But actually— but I've heard that from my dad all the time, so thanks. I so I, I could be that father figure away no, I from, don't, from I, home I, I would. I definitely want. wouldn't want that. You no, don't want that? That's not good. No, no, but, that but would be— it, But it perfectly—don't <laughs> worry, Rock, because it perfectly goes into the segment of— on the farm, next next generation of players coming up, and Jackson Holiday. Ooh, Jackson Holiday goodness. hitting the cover off the ball in high A, and it leads you to believe that he's not going to be spending too much time down there at Aberdeen. But he is just crushing it right now. Let's let's take you through two of his best games. May sixteenth, he goes three for three, six RBIs. He had a triple, a double, and a homer. He was one single shy of the cycle. Okay, maybe you're like, eh, that's, that's good, but like, what can he do after that? You know what he did after that? The very next game, the very next night, just a casual performance on May 17th. Holiday goes out there. He goes five for six. Five for six, four runs, five RBIs. Two triples. He didn't homer in that game, but that's okay. But this dude no, is well, this terrible. dude is just showing that he can spray the ball to any part of the field. He's got power. He's got speed. He's got the ability to get on base. He is everything that this franchise thought he would be right now at this point in his career. He's young and then some. You know, and that's I believe in one of those games, the game for the cycle, it was, it was cut short too. I think the game was cut short for rain. And regardless, what he's doing is nothing short of spectacular because he's 19 years old, I believe, right now, currently. And you know what, Rock? And it's kind of neat. And, and I take pride in this because we talked about him in spring during the Orioles coming out of spring training. We talked about 
what it could mean. And and we talked about that. We believed you could have a meteoric, or is that the type of phrase? Meteoric rise. I think rise? it is meteoric. Yeah. Meteoric rise. I don't know. I think He's going to rise fast said. if he keeps playing this way, and he could do what Gunnar Henderson did. And so far, he's checking all of those boxes. He is so he's very polished. He's understanding himself a lot quicker than maybe anyone anticipated. And it's not crazy if he keeps his pace up that we see him in Baltimore at some point in 2024. I'm not saying early in the season, but he has now put himself on the radar to be one of those other players that could be in the mix to help this ball club, and the time is coming. Dude, absolutely, and the Orioles have a chance. I think it would be their third number one prospect in the last two years because Adley was the number one prospect before he got called up last year, and it's been 365 days with Adley, and we have a good tie into that coming up. Gunnar Henderson was the number one prospect in baseball within the year, and then you could get Jackson Holiday. So that would be three number one prospects in those MLB pipeline rankings as far as those minor league prospects go and baseball prospects in general for the Orioles. He is hitting 395 right now in Aberdeen, man. 395 in 21 games. Let me just read you off some of his stats. 76 at-bats, 21 runs, 30 hits, 55 total bases, 5 doubles, 4 triples, 4 homers, 20 RBIs, 17 walks, 15 strikeouts, 8 stolen bases, 395 batting average. Is this a video On base game? percentage, 505. Slugging percentage, 724. OPS, 1229. So, video game. Yes. You basically created a player in minor leagues right now, and you just boosted all his stats up to a, to a 98 or 99. And he's just having a field day right but now. But again, this is why he was drafted number one overall is because his abilities, his ceiling, we don't know what it can be. But man, I'm glad he is a Baltimore Oriole and it's just exciting to watch. And I got to make my way to see him up in Aberdeen. But if you don't, at least Bowie's nearby because that is where he's heading next. Rip, I want to talk to you about this before we get into Adley and talk about him. He is the son of of a former MLB player. You are, of course, the son of a former MLB player. When you carry that with you, what kind of pressure does that put on someone that is playing, whether you're a number one pick, whether you're pick 734, whether you're pick 225, whether you're pick 23, what kind of pressure does that carry? And how do you think that he is kind of carrying himself in going about this? Because it's big steps to fill. Dad's a former all-star and he's coming up and the pressure's already on him. I mean, to me, it says a lot about his character. You know, personally, I had a really tough time dealing with the expectations. And and again, his dad, Matt Holiday, was a really good ball player. Mm-hmm. And people might not remember that as much. Just if you're not a full Major League Baseball fan, you're not going to be following when Matt Holiday was around the other parts of the league. Like in, when he was with the Colorado Rockies, you know, Matt Holiday was a part of the Rockies that went to the World Series. But again... If you're not a overall Major League Baseball fan and you're just focused on the Orioles, you're not going to know much about it. Or if you're, or if you're like newer to the game and you haven't watched the game back then, you're kind of getting into it now in recent years. Seven-time All-Star, World Series champion, NLCS MVP in 2007, four-time Silver Slugger Award winner, NL batting champion in 07, the RBI leader in 07, and a member of the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. He's got the accolades. He was a phenomenal baseball player, dude Matt was, Holliday, his father. And he was, still looks like he can still play, man. He's oh, yoked. He's a, he's, he's a beast. Yeah. But, again, 
it's so to your point, Jackson still was going to have expectations, mm-hmm. and to to see what he's done, to the fact that it just shows you a lot of where he's at being able to go number one. Because if you're going to take someone that high, it's not just because of of the makeup he has talent wise. They have to like his mental structure and mental stability and ability to be able to process things, handle expectations. Yep. So that to me, to your point. You know, I, I'm so happy for him because to be able to get to where he is, to be the number one overall pick, he had to be able to already be able to handle that above and beyond, and he checked all those boxes. Now, it's not going to get any easier for him because he's going to have to deal with other expectations of being a top prospect. But as far as I think he's put away, his dad was a great player. He accomplished a lot. But Jackson Holiday is, is proving that. He is his, he is being his his own person. He's his own guy. He's yeah. not the same player as his dad. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see who Jackson Holiday is going to be. The, who he's going to be, not be the son of a former Matt Holiday. Player. He's he is Jackson Holiday first and foremost. Son of Matt Holiday second. I like that. Happy one year anniversary to Adley Rutschman. Happy one year, Adley. Not like an anniversary of him being married. Don't th- I don't know if that's like in his. No, just you know, you know, yeah. a happy like, one year. He, to yeah, exactly, to exactly. It's not like he didn't he didn't get married. Like none of that stuff. One year of him coming to Baltimore. That's what we're talking about. Because I honestly, my parents, I sometimes forget their anniversary when they get married. So that's why I had to like clear that up and whatnot. It's tough. And and the worst part is it's on my mom's birthday, and that's why I forget because I wish my mom happy birthday first and foremost, December fourth. My dad kind of gets you know. By the wayside, so it happens like that sometimes. Well, okay, I'll try to remember. I was gonna say if it was the summertime, I'd help you remember that, but I'll try to. <laughs> but yeah, Adley Rutschman came to Baltimore and made his debut one year ago today. Recording this on a Sunday, it, it is May twenty first, and what a debut it was! You remember the video of Adley just talking to the umpire, walking out to catch for the first time at Camden Yards, and looking around like a little kid in a candy store. Like he was so amazed by the ballpark, by stepping onto the field for the first time. It's like, wow, this is a dream come true. And you truly got to see that emotion from Adley, and it was so cool. Not only that, he goes out late in the game, and for his first career hit, he triples. It was a liner down the right field line. I'm pretty sure it got stuck in that little area out there, and he was just motoring around the bases. And I I was in attendance for the game as a fan because I hadn't started working here yet officially. So my buddies, they all wanted to come down. They knew who Adley Rutschman was. I was like, damn, Adley's making his debut. Like, we got to go. So they came down. We went to the game. We enjoyed it. I saw the ticket stub that has like the 30. It's like seat 35, row 35. It's cool. But to see him get that standing ovation, I, I actually tweeted the video out at Rocco DeSangro on Twitter. If you want to check it out, it's it's so cool to see them going, Adley, Adley. And he got a standing O from the crowd. And like fans have absolutely fallen in love with this dude. Because he embodies everything it is to be a Baltimore Oriole. Well, and and in the moment he got called up, it brought a level of hope back to Baltimore. Because he was the piece when he was drafted that he was going to – everyone was waiting for his arrival. And once he got there, it brought back that we are moving to the next step. And, and – I don't think that you could say, in my mind, a, a number one overall pick exceeded expectations because, again, we don't know what's going to happen, but talk about the moment you can look at the Baltimore Orioles in the last year of when the the, the, the flip switched. 
it was Adley's debut. And that was the coolest thing is not only him taking in the moments, you remember your you know exactly where you were sitting at the ticket. Yeah, man. Ticket. I was sitting all the way up at the top of the stadium. But I remember for his first at bat, we snuck down, like we always do. Gotcha. And we sat and watched. I think there were seats right behind the Orioles dugout, but like twenty rows up. Me and two of my buddies sat there while the rest of them were getting they were getting beer and like good food and stuff like that. But we wanted to see, it was me and my buddy Brandon, and he listens to the podcast, so shout out to him. Shout out, Brandon. We, sh- we, we sat there in those seats, and we watched. And it was, I think his first at bat was a strikeout, but to see everyone standing up, to see him walking up, to see the atmosphere, it was so cool. And it's something, as long as I cover him, or as long as I don't cover him, you know, maybe, maybe I'll be somewhere else in five years, who knows, maybe I'll still be here, but for the rest of my life, I'm going to remember where I was when Adley Rutschman made his MLB debut. And I know there are a lot of fans out there that will feel the same. Oh, yeah. And then, again, just for the – for the, and I've, I've said this a lot, but to talk about what he has meant, there are just things you can't quantify in Adley Rutschman. And right now and for the last year, it has been the belief that it is time. And last year was, you know, takeoff and chaos is coming. Yep. Adley embodied all of that, and it didn't have anything to do with his statistical numbers. It had to do with his presence alone. And now, take take out that he is an unbelievable player. He really is. He does, and I tell people all this this all the time. When they said, "Is he the most talented player you've ever seen?" They asked me that, and I went. I said, "Look, I don't mean this in a bad way." I said, "Have I seen more talented players?" Yes. You've been around t- baseball for a long time, though, man. Like, right? You've no, seen but, some. Yeah. But but <laughs> here's my point. When guys make it to the big leagues, usually it's because they figured out how to be really good at one or two things, or they just they tried to maximize whatever that would be, right? But when you watch Adley, when I saw him up close, you go, you're good at th- Oh, you're good at that. You're good at that. You're good at that. And you add it up, and he's good at 10, 11 things, and there's not a weakness. I think- and that's the thing that makes him so special is that he's so – rounded in, in many aspects of the game, that's what makes him a great player. Apple TV did a montage when they had the Apple TV game. I know some of you out there are a little disgruntled about that because you might not have Apple TV. Use that free trial when you can to watch some of the O's games when they play on a Friday night. But they did a montage of all the good things that you're talking about, how well he blocks the plate, how his ability to throw out runners at second, at third, his arm, his bat, switch hitting ability. And they kind of compared him to, I forget who it was, but they said, this guy's like Buster Posey, Joe Maurer. He carries himself like that and is that talented. And those are two of the best catchers to do it in recent years. Mm -hmm. Those are two guys in your second year of baseball, no matter where you were picked, if you were the number one pick or not, to be up there with those guys already in year two, I mean, that's got to be an honor. Well, yeah, the thing that everyone's talking about, he's arguably the best catcher in all baseball. You know, and, that, and that's the argument. There's some good catchers um, throughout the league. Sean Murphy on the Braves. Um, JT Realmuto on the Phillies. Really great players. But Adley Rushman now in his first full season is proving that he is ready for that building. But also, I, wanna, I just want to mention something with Buster Posey real quick. Posey, on those runs where the Giants were winning those World Series, the other – this is just as a fan watching the game, just not even a fan of the Giants. When I turned on the Giants and I saw Buster Posey in the lineup – I just felt something different about that team. When they were in the playoffs, I felt I wanted to take the Giants 
because of their pedigree, but also who was behind the plate. And I think that type of feeling is what I get with Adley Rutschman. And that's what you hope for Oriole fans. You can have that same type of feeling and experience as this team creeps towards finally getting back to a World Series because it's been 40 years this year that the team has, has not been back to uh, to the, uh, what is it, the Fall Classic. I just sense some good things coming with this ball club this season, man. We're still still early. The season's still young, but this should very, should very well be a playoff team when it's all said and done, and I'm so pumped to see playoff baseball at Camden Yards. I, I just can't wait to see towels flying, fans in the seats, packed from the left field bleachers all the way up top in the nosebleeds in left field. Like, half the time, that's empty, and that will not be the case if this team gets a playoff game this year, and I truly cannot wait for Camden Yards to be just absolutely popping for that. Last thing we're going to touch on before we get out of here, we're going to preview the upcoming series with the Yankees and the Texas Rangers. Game one, the O's have an off day on Monday, get back from their trip up north, maybe settle in a little bit, and then they go right to New York. They're taking on the Yankees. We got Kyle Bradish and Garrett Cole. That is a probable pitching matchup for Tuesday night, 7.05 p.m. It's a big one. Honestly, to me, if we're going to highlight both series, the Yankees. And again, for a lot of people, who doesn't, if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, doesn't want to beat the Yankees, right? But the reason why, again, we just saw the magnitude of the Blue Jays series, division games. And I, I will keep saying that. Texas is good, by the way. We've, we could touch on them in a minute. But the Yankees are still the team that has given the Orioles issues over the years. And they're getting hot right now at the right time. They're riding into this one on a four-game winning streak. So the juices are going to be flowing for the Yankees. They're going to want to beat up on the Orioles a little bit and prove that, hey, like you guys are still our little brother. I don't feel that way. You don't feel that way. But the Yankees, they're going to want to feel that way because that's how it's been in years past. The Orioles have been inferior to the Yankees. And there's no getting around that. There's no questioning that. And the Yankees still feel like that's the case. But I know the Baltimore Orioles don't, and this fan base definitely does not. Well, that's the thing is you believe you can beat anybody. And it's going to be a great test. We're talking about, I know that um, we were talking about with the Blue Jays, but the, the Yankees, Garrett Cole is legit. And for those, I mean, that's an understatement. And I hate it. I know everyone's don't give credit to the Yankees. I give credit to good baseball players, and Garrett Cole is a great baseball player. Can't see it right now, but Ryan's got his pinstripe shirt on right I now. I might. I might. You know what? <laughs> sure. If that's what gets the people going, if that's what gets the people going and gets the team to win some games, sure. I'll be, I'll be the villain. No, but the thing with Garrett Cole, and this is what I'm talking about, he has a 2-0-1 ERA on the season. He's a guy at the Yankees every time they go, you know what, we need something, we need it right now. Garrett Cole's the guy. He's one of the best in the business. To me, he is the AL Cy Young Award winner right now. So, great test for the Orioles. And it's you said it's the beginning of the series, right? That's yeah. the first game. First game. First game of the series is always one that you want to have, especially when you're going against a divisional opponent. So, that one's going to be big. But the Orioles, they believe that they can beat anybody. This is going to be one of their biggest tests. No, they do. I was I was starting to get afraid how that how that how you were going there with that analysis. I thought you were going to bring out the uh, the flat-brim Yankees cap, the jean oh shorts, the Air Force Ones. Jean shorts. Yeah, and then the uh, that's that's like the, the typical Yankees fan. I've seen pictures before. It's like a meme. It's like the typical Yankee fan u- uniform, and it's flat-brim Yankees fitted cap, a Yankees jersey or a jersey, uh, jean shorts or cargo shorts, 
a calf tattoo usually, and then white Air Force Ones. That's the meme? That, that's the meme. That's like the Yankees <laughs> Yankees and Cowboys fans. They're very, very similar in their fandom. What, um, what they wear. Can jean shorts also be called jorts? Jorts? Yeah. I think if you cut them, like if you fray them, in that case, I would call them jorts. Then they're jorts? I don't, but I don't know. But I'm aren't not a jorts jean, jean short shorts? Professional. I've worn jorts before. Ooh. I was at a country concert, and sure. I had to kind of dress the part. So, oh, sure you so, Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a phase. No, it actually uh, wasn't. But I, had to, I, tried, I tried to fit in, but it was funny because like, everyone was wearing cowboy boots, and I wore Vans. So I wore Vans, a cut-off flannel shirt, cowboy hat, and jorts. So I've never worn best. I've never worn jorts. Yeah. Um, maybe that will be something I'll have to try or never. Yeah. But I mean, hey man. But again, we'll hey, have to do our next podcast wearing jorts. Jorts and run the forty. Yeah. But so, <laughs> but again, Yanks. It's a great series, a great opportunity. And again, the Yankees are right on the heels of the Orioles. Um, and you just want you want to touch a little bit on Texas here? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Grayson Rodriguez, he made his MLB debut in Texas against the Rangers, the club he grew up rooting for. Now the Rangers are going to be coming to town. That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And guess who gets the ball in that first matchup? It's Grayson Rodriguez going up against John Gray. It's pretty cool for Grayson to be able to pitch at Camden Yards against his hometown team that he grew up rooting for in the Rangers. I mean, it's great. And also... Two of the best teams in baseball. You know, the Rangers are are off to a great start. They're they're fourth, and the Yankees are sixth. So this is two top six teams coming into I mean, coming in and facing the Orioles. Orioles going to Yankee Stadium, and then the Rangers coming to Camden. Well, when we talked about this whole month, this is a month of facing just some dogs. Like and the dogs mean these these guys are, are these are good teams. These teams are gritty. You might not have to like these teams that they're playing, but these teams are playing competitive baseball they're tough to beat and again when you are trying to aspire where the Orioles are trying to get to this is these are teams you're gonna have to go through especially on the American League side absolutely man and it's it'll be interesting to see how the Orioles handle this series in a hostile environment in New York playing the Yankees on their home turf their home field and uh, taking on a very hot team in New York and then and then facing the Rangers that three-game series Right now, the Rangers are on a three-game winning streak, so these are two of the hotter teams in baseball that they're going to be facing, both riding win streaks. It, it depends on if the, the Rangers continue to win when they face the Orioles, but we'll, we'll see how it happens. But it, it's two good series for this ball club. And uh, listen, pack the yard. Pack the yard for that Rangers series. Show them what Orioles baseball is all about, the Rangers coming in here and facing them. Th- that place should be absolutely packed. Packed in, fans should be rowdy, fans should be enjoying it. And uh, cheer for Grayson Rodriguez. He's 23 years old, and we talked about the roller coaster. He wants this one to be one of his best outings, I'm sure. So make that atmosphere, make that aura, make everything that's about the best thing in the world for him. And I can't emphasize this enough for fans before we get on out of here. Players feed off the energy. Players feed off of the support. They feed off of the atmosphere. It keeps them going. And especially now, and I get it, it's hard to root for teams or show out at the park when the team's struggling, especially when there's so many things that are going on as the summer's heating up. But, man, if you can go to the yard, you're one year to see some really good baseball teams go at it. But, two, these are moments where the players really do appreciate and they're starting to see of what really, truly 
Baltimore Orioles, what that fan base looks like, they're being reminded. I've had to tell these are my teammates because they're coming out of the rebuild. And they're going, well, we heard so many great things about the earlier playoff run in the earlier 2010s or 2012, 13, 14. They go, we want to experience you know, all that. We haven't seen it. O's fans, show them what that's like because Baltimore, and you've seen it, Rock, this town loves its sports and they love them O's. Absolutely, man. I'm pumped up for uh, these two series. They should be two great ones. The Orioles just riding that sweep of the Blue Jays into their series against the Yankees and then the Texas Rangers. That'll do it for episode three, an hour long, our first hour long episode of Rip and Rock. Thank Shirts you and so pants. much. Shirts and pants is right. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget, to like the podcast, download, subscribe, give us a rating, give us an honest rating. We've gotten a few five-star reviews. We've gotten a few four-star reviews, and that's okay. That means there's room for improvement. we got to get better. But tell us what you think of it. If we're doing great, we want to hear you. If we're not doing so great, we want to hear that as well. And continue to tweet us your thoughts so we can mention them in future episodes. Thank you again for tuning in for another episode of Rip and Rock. We'll see you next Monday. Hey!